Oh yeah, you had a really funny tweet I just read that was like, how are people bored when there's so much to be depressed about? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm like, there's so much to be afraid of. What, there's not enough time in the day. <laughs> Someone recently was like, I feel so bad for people in quarantine who don't have ADD. <laughs> Welcome to Burning What's up, guys? We are in the hot, fiery depths of hell. Welcome to Burning in Hell. I'm your host, Hannah Burner, and today we are with Taylor Tomlinson, who I met about a year ago. I'm not sure. Time is just a construct now. Um, but I think it was like a year ago. She has an incredible podcast, the Self Helpless Podcast, with Kelsey Cook and Delaney Fisher. And we're here now. So Taylor, welcome. Hello. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad we figured this out. You guys have no no idea how many wires we just untangled to make this remote podcast happen. Comedians and technology don't mix. Comedians, we're artists. We're creatives. Yeah, it's comedians in quarantine uh, becoming different people right now. <laughs> developing new skills. We're evolving. <laughs> we are evolving into a new species. Um, and I'm scared for us, but <laughs> I want to first off just say congratulations. Um, I, I just think you're one of like the hottest physically and funniest people right now in comedy. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I don't watch a lot of stand-up specials. I get bored and like in my head when I watch them a lot of the time. First, I watched your boyfriend, Sam Morales on YouTube before yours came out and inc- nailed it. Incredible. But like, w- we know Sam is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then your special came out on Netflix, Quarter Life Crisis. Listen to every second, laughing out loud. You should be so proud of yourself. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. That was like so nice. It's going to keep me going for a week, those compliments. (laughs) I did, um, I listened to an episode of yours this morning. uh, Oh Lord, which one? And I was looking at China Alexander, because I follow her on Instagram, and I was looking through all the people you've had on your podcast and everyone you've had on is really hot. And I was like, am I hot? I think, I think I did it. I only have good looking people on this podcast because life is short and I'm shallow. Um, but also people were like obsessed with your look, like your shoes. And would you consider yourself a fashion icon at any time in your career? <laughs> no, the jacket I wore, I bought so many jackets in preparation for that special trying to find the perfect one because I wasn't going to show my arms or anything you know what was I cool in middle school (laughs) and the one I ended up wearing I found at a buffalo exchange two days before I filmed it in San Francisco for $17 it spoke to you though it spoke to me and Thank God I didn't go traditional leather jacket because I would have been pouring sweat they did Mm -hmm. edit out some lip sweat very strategically in editing and then the the shoes i also bought on the road everything i buy on the road because that's when i get sad and i need retail therapy <laughs> and so i bought these like steve madden wedge sneakers i got so many messages about those shoes i got so many messages couldn't find them online people had to find them for me on third-party sites and then someone from steve madden reached out to me and was like thank you for posting about the shoes we put them back on our website <laughs> You've single-handedly brought back wedge sneakers. Quarantine (laughs) style is wedge sneakers because of TT. (laughs) T squared. I love it because 
I think you are not necessarily a girl that people follow for fashion, but no. you carried yourself with so much confidence and like that cool girl swagger that people are like, I, she did it. I want to do it. Everything's made up. Fashion is made up. It's just you were aspirational in a way, mm. but you were aspirational with your humor and how you carried yourself and people tricked themselves thinking it's the shoes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it was also just like, it was how I dress, but the best version of me. Yeah. You know, you were like, authentic I did my own yourself. hair. Yeah. I mean, I like I did the Tonight Show to promote the special and I had my hair and makeup person with me and everybody was like, you have to leave your hair down. It looks so beautiful. And I was like, okay. And I did. And I hated my set afterward. And I think it's because my hair was down. I've never performed with my hair down ever. And so going into the special, there was like no question. And whenever I've had people even do my hair, it just doesn't feel like me. Mm -hmm. I cannot do my own makeup. So that was absolutely going to happen. <laughs> but when I, when I watched the special afterward, I was like, okay, this is what I look like on my very best day when everything <laughs> went exactly according to plan Did you have a and spray then someone tan? no i didn't have a spray tan i just had good makeup on i am gonna say spray tan is my one secret that like you lose 10 pounds immediately and you just like are glowing so in the future i know it sounds weird but after filming reality tv where like there were cameras <laughs> up my asshole all the time it's the only right. thing that made me feel like I have at least makeup all over my body. <laughs> Kelsey and Delaney both swear by spray mm -hmm. tans. Mm -hmm. I have never had one. I'm too afraid. But they swear by them. Well, when you do it, can you do a little video for content purposes at least for our enjoyment? Absolutely. Okay, great. I mean, that's the only reason I do anything. No. Also, same. <laughs> Literally, people start asking me questions on a podcast like, what would you do if you walked into your parents having sex or if so you had sex with a guy who had a live, laugh, love tattoo on his back? I'm like, make a joke and screenshot it and post it on Instagram. What do you want me to do? <laughs> You're like, I would film it with a ring light. <laughs> <laughs> I grab my ring light, which I always have by me. Um, but I really quick, I just want to give you your credits. Um, she's been featured on Conan, MTV Safe Word, Comedy Central's blah, blah, blah. Um, top 10 finalists on Last Comic Standing. Hello. Her stand-up special, um, <laughs> Quarter Life Crisis, is... This is me trying to be a um, radio host. Is um, Quarter Life Crisis is airing on Netflix. Okay, everyone who f is listening right now, all millions of you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> all of you need to watch this special because if you think that my podcast is funny, you will die over all of this. Um, and she started stand-up at 16 years old. And on her website, it says she's been slowly letting stand-up ruin her life ever since. Did I miss anything? <laughs> no, that was perfect. Are you kidding me? Okay. You're so this funny, by the way. Your tweet about checking on your friends making banana bread. <laughs> made me laugh so hard. I've made so much banana bread Hannah so much it's insane like <laughs> it's so funny because everyone was doing it about like checking on your friends who have bangs or checking on your friends who like are taking up rock climbing classes so I had to bring banana bread into the situation <laughs> it's such a cry for help right now you're right I just saw an article yesterday I forget mm -hmm. what it was on I screenshot it I should have sent it to you there was an article that came out yesterday I think that said how banana bread became the official like <laughs> recipe of the pandemic <laughs> we've all become just like sad ants 
like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i think it is we don't have actual i think hobbies. nobody's right there's that <laughs> but also nobody is going anywhere and bananas yeah. are such an on-the-go snack yes that everybody's bananas are going bad and then they're like what can i do with this because i can't waste well, it people were getting mad at people baking banana bread because they thought it was because they like hoarded a shit ton of bananas and then like had to <laughs> bake a ton of bread <laughs> but i've seen some spectacular banana breads people putting like chocolate chips in it and i think it's incredible um where are you quarantining right now i'm in los angeles i'm in my apartment thankfully amazing so and you yeah. you've went public with your relationship with with famous mm -hmm. new york city comedian sam morrill these are this blew my mind because you guys are single-handedly uniting the comedy scenes of both coasts <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that was our goal that was our goal how did you meet him by doing stand-up i mean he had sent me a couple messages after late night sets that i'd done mm -hmm. i think he either posted about my tonight show set or sent me a message i can't remember which one and then my second conan set which i did almost exactly a year ago he sent me a message on instagram it was like hey really great writing really great set um nothing weird not like sliding in just was genuinely very nice about it and i was like oh man that means a lot because obviously all of his late night sets are incredible mm -hmm. um but there wasn't there wasn't anything else i mean besides like one or two instagram story responses maybe like we were not friends we didn't know each other and then i didn't meet him in person until like i was in new york doing spots at the cellar over the summer and he said like great set to me once and i was so like oh god i'm so did you think he was cute before you met him i did i thought he was cute but i was also like i was more so just impressed by what a good comedian he mm -hmm. was and obviously looked up to him and and I remember seeing him on the lineup that night and going, oh my God, I hope he doesn't see my set live because he already thinks I'm funny. And so I just want him to keep that vision Comics of me. Like, you know, are somebody... fucking crazy because I've been in stand-up for We're one so year crazy. and you've been in stand-up for a hundred years and you still have those. That's something I would think like, oh, I hope he doesn't watch my set because like, what if I forget a joke? You're hysterical that you're still going to oh. <laughs> be hard on yourself. It's, I do it with anybody who has complimented me that i respect i'm like please don't ever watch me live because anything could happen and i just need you and then to they'll think feel I'm like good. you lied because to them like how dare you lie yes. to me on that set on youtube <laughs> you fake little fuck right <laughs> well and i've seen people that people will tell me like oh they used to be funny and i never want to be that person where they go they used to be good and something happened i've only seen them bomb in real life Dude, and you're like i was working on stuff like you're just so comedians scared. love talking shit about other comedians it's just part of the culture so it's like anxiety that every negative thing you've ever heard you go wait do they think that about me it's like when you hang out with friends they're yeah. like i hate her outfit and you're like oh my god does she hate my outfit all the time when i walk away yeah oh my god stressful yeah. so uh, what happened that night so stressful nothing that was it he said great <laughs> set and he remembers it as like i had a very uh cool line and i the truth is i was just nervous and thought i you know when you don't think you hear what someone said and then you go wait what was that yeah. and then while they're saying it again you realize you did hear it <laughs> you were just panicking <laughs> 
So he said, great set. I, I didn't hear him. I blacked out because I was like, there's too many comedians here that I respect. And I said, what? And he goes, great set. And I said, oh, I heard you. I just wanted to hear it again. And then I left because I probably had diarrhea or something. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, that was really cool. And I was like, no, no, that was anxiety. Literally all I do when I do stand up is have diarrhea with breaks of stand up in between. <laughs> exactly. I do joke, joke, joke diarrhea hop in a cab (laughs) preset diarrhea i asked you if you thought sam was cute before you met him i think sam's adorable but i'm just saying when you meet him in person the height hits you you're like he was sitting down luckily because he was sitting down me once i see a man is tall it's game it's a different i have to like act totally different i have to pretend i'm something i'm not it becomes a whole thing you have to move your chin up yeah. to actually view him. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, everyone I dated except for one person has been around 6'3". So I think I'm very much with you on that one. And then I, but I don't really consider that when I met him. Like then like, I don't know, a month and a half later, he was in LA and he was doing a show at Dynasty Typewriter and he just messaged me and was like, hey, uh, if I just, I don't know a lot of comedians out here and I would love it if someone funny did like 20 minutes up top he's like i'm sure you're really busy so if not it's fine and i was like oh totally and i got there like five minutes before the show because i had other spots so and i didn't know what he was like at all so i thought he was going to be really standoffish yeah because his his like kind of on stage persona is very like cool and laid back and like a little bit of an asshole sometimes and so i didn't think he was gonna like be super warm and talk to me i thought he would be kind of like quiet and just going over his set yeah Yeah, businessy and he was like he's like very surprisingly very nice very warm like gave me a hug I was like I've never met you and was like thank you so much for doing this I really appreciate it and I was like yeah yeah, of course but I didn't I barely talked to him that night how was your set I it was great I had a great set so I had a good set and then I had a really early flight the next morning to go to I think I went to Madison Wisconsin and I left like halfway through his set and just sent him a message and was like, Hey, thanks for having me. You're very funny. I caught like half your set. And he sent me his number and was just like, Hey, if you're ever in New York. And, um, he was doing a club, he was doing like my favorite club comedy works in Denver for the first time that weekend. And I was doing one of his favorite clubs comedy on state in Madison. And so I, I think I texted him and was just like, Hey, what do you think of the club? And we just like became like texting friends for, you know however long the next month or so before we started dating i was also like at the time slowly breaking up with my ex-fiance so i was like not in a place for like anything and also i was still when i really met him met him it was maybe like two weeks before we actually like ended ended but we were still technically like trying to work on it and didn't know exactly. And things were just really bad. So it, it wasn't like, it really wasn't anything like we were like being super flirty or we were just like friends. And even after I broke up with my ex and we were just talking, I just liked him so much Mm -hmm. that I, even after he was like, well, I like you. I was like, I like you, but I don't, there's so many reasons not to date. Like, First off, you live on the opposite coast. You are a comedian. <laughs> you're you're a better comedian than me, which I don't care for. And 
I just got out of a big thing and um and I like you and I'm like I want to be friends with you like I want you in my life for a long time and he's like well it's a little late for that we're not gonna be friends and I was like okay well then I guess we're gonna date and um it just kind of happened it really did just kind of happen and uh it was definitely too soon for me to be in another relationship but I'm so glad I did it and something sometimes those things are just sort of inevitable well I think like you if just you have to ask like are we dating dating is like is actually an action like it's not even if you have to mm. talk about labels it's somewhat complicated it sounds like you two naturally got to a point where you just liked each other enough that it's like we don't care to talk to other people and you can't help that yeah I remember he came out to LA to visit and he said at one point he made a point to like tell me that somebody had tried to hit on him after a show and he had like turned them down and I was like so do you not want me to see other people <laughs> and I wasn't going to I never have been able to do that but he was like I mean yeah I'm not going to do you want to and I was like no and that was kind of how it happened now after that he was like well you're the one who said are you going to see other people I'm like that is not how I remember it at like, all from now so on we're doing a podcast so everything is recorded when you say things <laughs> and I will that's what bring the receipts <laughs> that's why we started a podcast because I was like I need if you want to talk and visual into the mic <laughs> <laughs> and but yeah it was just all of it was very natural and organic and uh he's just like he's just my friend like we're just friends and I could not have picked a better time to I didn't pick it but I met him at such a perfect time oh, yeah. because I cannot imagine being quarantined with anybody else like friends family like anyone else i am so amazed at how well we have been able to cohabitate through so all of he's this. at in your apartment that, now he's in my apartment he was out here visiting when everything like shut down wow and there was a day that was very tense where he was like i gotta go back to new york because we were like you're not gonna be able to go no back to new uh -huh. york at some point like it's gonna be impossible it's not a good idea and thankfully you know we went over different options like should we both go back to new york and stay there for a while should Ugh. you stay here should you just go back to new york like and thankfully he stayed here which i know was a super hard decision for him because he's such a new yorker yeah. uh, and i'm so great i tell him like every day i'm like thank god you did not leave but thank he you for seems staying. like the kind of new yorker like you know sex in the city where they're like we'll never we'll never go to the west coast i can't do it i can't do it and then they just fall in love with like the weather and pools and shit or whatever's going on <laughs> he oh no i he's never he's never gonna move here full time like he's not the type of person who's like the weather is great i'm like but the weather's so nice he's like that's all you fucking have like he will not but give me an he has on LA. to admit that being quarantined in la is a bazillion times better than new york he does admit okay. that it is way better being quarantined because i'm jealous i want to also talk about this 20 um quarter life crisis is a real fucking thing mm -hmm. Like, I remember just all my friends at 25 started to just go on, like, retreats. Like, they would, like, quit their job and just, like, go to Thailand to, like, learn yoga. Like, because yeah. that's, like, three, four years after college when you've, like, done your job, you did everything society told you to do, and then you are miserable, and then you freak out that you have to do this for, like, 50 more years. Mm -hmm. What was your quarter-life crisis that hit you? Um, I... <laughs> I got engaged and then <laughs> called it off two months later. How did you know it wasn't right for you? Not to talk shit on your ex-fiance, but like in your heart with you, how did you know he wasn't right? 
Um, I didn't. I was really, really happy. And then, again, I don't want to get into specifics because yeah. I don't want it to sound... Like, if you heard his side, yeah. you'd be like, she's a crazy bitch. And if you heard my <laughs> side, you'd be like, he's a sociopath. <laughs> so, like, I never I never want to, like, go on podcasts and be like, he did this yeah. and then this happened. Because the truth is, um, basically, he, he did some stuff that I... F- was, like, a deal breaker for mm-hmm. me but I didn't handle it well. Like when, when something happens in your relationship that you're like, this is a deal breaker. I don't know if I can get past this. Um, you, you can make that decision for yourself, but you cannot like punish somebody for it. You can't get crazy and like, just make your both of you miserable like it but maybe the reality is you couldn't move on and you tried to fake it and like you couldn't right it, I just didn't handle any of it well and so it became a thing where like it was both our faults mm-hmm. but w- what I'm so glad it sounds like he started that, it but I'm not playing sides <laughs> no I mean you know it's <laughs> <sighs> did he do these things after he proposed yeah Oh, we'd, so been, we'd a, been engaged for a couple months okay so it was a tumultuous like post proposal thing when he proposed were you yeah. like he's he's this is the guy i'm gonna have babies with and like this is it yeah totally Wild. and we we got engaged like almost exactly a year after we started dating mm-hmm. it was we had not been together that long but we had been talking about it for like five months i mean i don't know why we wanted to get married so badly but we just were like i think it was the first time we had lived with somebody Mm. and we once we lived together well we were like this is it i mean i i don't even know it's it's so weird to think back on because we are so not right for each other and i to be honest i think both of us dodged a bullet Mm. (laughs) in different ways um but But it's hard because i feel like you never actually know like even people who go, you, you know, don't. you don't. How do you think um, you've changed as a person since that relationship? Um, I think I have given up on the idea of being the person that my conservative family might have expected me to be. Mm-hmm. I think getting engaged, and this is not to say that I didn't love him because I really did. And I did feel at the time that he was my person and I'm so grateful that I was with him because he was what I needed at that time in my life. But I think when I moved in with him, I felt guilty about it because my parents were very unhappy, obviously. They're very Christian. And I think part of me wanted to prove to them that I wouldn't just move in with anybody. I was like, no, 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 this is the guy Mm. and I'm going to prove it to you. And like he proposed to me in the perfect way. I mean, my whole family was a lot of my family was involved in it. Like such a beautiful day to this day. I'm still happy it happened. Um, but I remember feeling like, okay, great. I, and I knew I had the Netflix special like a month after we got engaged. And then I wanted to like get married before it came out because I think I was afraid that my family would like disown me once the special came out and they saw some of the material and so i was like well if i get married to this really nice you know cute pleasant guy everyone will be like well at least she's pure in this sense you know or something like that i don't know and i think i also just wanted to be settled like i was afraid to move on to the next phase of my life and the Mm -hmm. next phase of my career Mm -hmm. 
and do it by myself or do it without it was a nice thing to check off your to-do list as you're getting busier and busier exactly and i am such a relationship person um that i just i was coming out of like a really when i met my ex-fiance i was coming out of a really toxic um on again off again relationship Mm. and i just wanted to be stability yeah i wanted stability and i wanted to feel safe and like i met somebody who was very even keel and you know easy and wasn't like threatened by my success and and all these things that i hadn't found before and I needed and there were other things in the relationship that were lacking Mm -hmm. but I was like no relationship is going to be perfect and these things are more important than the things that we don't have um but for me in relationships like the biggest thing I can't get over is lying and so yeah as soon as you as soon as you lie to me about stuff you can't um, trust is the one thing that you have it's the most important thing if you fucking lie what cereal you had that morning I'm fucking on to you Right. Seriously, <laughs> that's how I feel too. But then at the same time, from his perspective, for him to, you know, lie to me or mess up or something, and then for me to react like, we're not engaged anymore, everything's over. Like, for me to like go atomic and just be like, everything's done mm-hmm. and that like f- freak out because I'm triggered and, and mm-hmm. whatever else. Um, I think because deep down hurts you hurts trust on his side. You also didn't were a little unsure about him so when he did that you were like oh no the universe is sending me signs yeah I don't know to be honest I mean I've, I've spent a lot of time talking about it in therapy I know my you, psychiatrist. you are very well spoken about this like I thought I was gonna Thank pull you. it out you'd be like so why did you feel that way and you were like a b c d e <laughs> right well my psychiatrist called that relationship a mirage and I was mm. like oh my god mm. but he, like you know he I was unsure about him for the first few months we were dating, which is not usually how I feel in relationships. Usually I'm like very sure and like intense and quick. And I wasn't sure for the first couple months, I wasn't sure if we connected. And then we like went on a, re- a really great vacation and we both fell in love and that probably has something to do with it. Um, it's like The Bachelor. <laughs> it is like The Bachelor. And then I was like so happy and so sure about him. I really was. I was so sure. I mean, the day before I gave the ring back I was like I don't know what I would do without you like so sure about him and then once you know we had that that thing happen I remember talking to him about it and I was like we don't really have a lot in common and he was like what are you talking about I was like we just don't have a lot in common like we're we're totally different people and we we like doing the same things I guess but even that like not really we're just we're just so different and we we didn't connect on a certain level um we connected on other levels but it was just it was just this you know what I mean there's like some intangible thing in relationships sometimes where sometimes you don't even realize until something serious happens Mm -hmm. because the fact of the matter is if you're with somebody long enough like they're gonna lie to you they're going to hurt you they're gonna mess up like people are are gonna hurt you and you have to be connected enough to get through it together Mm -hmm. and what that showed me is that we just weren't and we were too different and we didn't understand each other Mm. like emotionally i i could not wrap my brain around the way he handled things Mm. and he couldn't wrap his brain around the way i handled so it's like you had your first crack and like where it could have been solved you saw these differences that really made it more complicated yeah i think so i think that's probably what happened and 
you know, he and I will probably never talk again. Like, it's- don't talk to your exes. People can people stop doing that shit? Like, you have friends <laughs> for that. You have friends, and like, you don't need to hurt your current relationship by being like, oh, but I'm nice to him. I care about him. Do you care about sucking his dick anymore? No. Sorry, right. I'm go- I'm taking my own stuff out on you. I'm sorry. Ah! <laughs> no, honestly, I I agree with you, but then I also like there are sometimes that people are friends with their exes or they keep in contact with people that they had stuff with. Mm-hmm. I just want to know about it. That's mm-hmm. my only thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if you are friends with an ex of yours or you are going to coffee with someone you used to sleep with, like, yeah. just tell me. Just give me the opportunity. I'm okay to with a like, happy birthday. I'm fine with the, let them. Right. You don't want to be like the, de- they died in your life. It's nice to acknowledge them. I think it's interesting too when you line up all your relationships. I have this thing where I've dated comedians too in the past, and mm-hmm. I will like go for um <laughs> fun. I'll go for <laughs> a narcissist, and then they will like drain me. Like I'll be empty, and then I will go for a guy who I have complete control o- over to make sure I don't get hurt, and then. I, so now I've, I've been doing that back and forth for my 20s. And now that I'm 28, mm-hmm. um, hello, mature, I'm trying <laughs> to find that middle ground where it's not like I have yeah. no power or all the power. Um, but I also do think it can be as simple as you want to find someone that you could have a conversation with throughout your life that you just love to talk to. I used to think it was like someone you can sit in comfortable silence with. And then I was like, oh, you can actually probably do that with a lot of people if you don't care what they think of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody that you just want to hang out with all the time, that's like, that's what you need. Sam is witnessing your, like, honestly, your come up. And when I say your come up, you've been doing comedy since you were 16. But like your Netflix, people put out Netflix specials every day. And sorry, mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about yours. <laughs> I'm your <laughs> spokesperson now. But like your stand-up special spoke for itself and how like it spread. Like you probably didn't have insane marketing like some other like huge ones do. And I feel like everyone was sharing it. And um, how has Sam kind of been there for you? Do you ever get scared since you're in the same, you're both in comedy, to make sure that he's okay, that like he doesn't feel intimidated? Honestly, I was never worried about that with him because in my eyes, and I think most people's eyes, pretty much everyone's eyes, he is so far above me comedically. I mean, he's been doing it. Yeah, I've been doing it 10 years, but like the first two years I was in high school. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it doesn't even feel like a Sam is a New York City legend. He is. Yeah. And he's been doing it like, I think almost 15 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, All of our favorite comics think he's like one of the best comics Mm -hmm. so for me going into it I was never like "Ooh, he's gonna feel threatened I was like I'm gonna feel threatened Mm -hmm. if anybody does um because you know if I go to the comedy store with him for my spot Mm -hmm. there are people coming up to him like oh my gosh I'm such a big fan Mm -hmm. or like comics coming up to him and he's going oh do you know Taylor and they're like oh hey nice to meet you I'm like we've definitely met but that's fine I think it just depends on the person though like no matter how successful he is like you either are completely supportive of your partner or like anything they do you could get jealous of like it's true i yeah. think it depends on the the human that you attract but also he knew what he was getting involved with he he knew that you were incredible he was the <laughs> one who told you you were and i kind of like that as a sign in the beginning that he went out of his way to not like be like hey i'm cool i'm sam no he was like i think you're good 
Yeah, yeah, which I really appreciated too. And I mean, I'm so glad I met him when I did because I met him a couple months before I filmed mine. I filmed mine. We started dating like late September and I filmed my special at the beginning of November Mm. and he filmed his at the beginning of December. So we were both in special prep mode. I had never been in that mode before. He had. So he like watched my hour for me and gave Mm -hmm. me some notes and like was just very motivated. It's so motivating to be with somebody who works really hard and Mm -hmm. even more motivating to be with somebody who works really hard at the same thing you love. So I mean, everything that happened last summer that was good, bad, everything really made Quarter Life Crisis what it is and so much better. Because if I had stayed engaged, that special would have started with, I just got engaged. And And you have to say it in that voice. You have to when you do it. You have to. (laughs) That was how I was opening sets. It was like, and in the back of my head, I was like, I wasn't unsure about my ex. I was unsure about whether or not I was ready for it. Mm. I knew I wanted it and I was like, marriage is going to agree with me. And and I knew I wanted to be married someday. But I remember, I think I asked him the day before we broke up. I was like, or the day before I gave the ring back anyway, I was like, are you afraid that we're too young and we're going to change too much and be totally different people in a few years? And he was like, no. And I'm like, what did he do for a living? Um, he used to be an accountant and then he was like a comedy show producer. Oh, okay. So that's how I met him. But he wasn't like a comedian himself. Mm-hmm. He had like dabbled in it, but he wasn't doing it really mm-hmm. anymore when I met him. And so I felt like that was the perfect, in so many ways, his lifestyle was fit so perfectly into my lifestyle where he could work from anywhere. He loved comedy. He got comedy, yeah. but he wasn't a comedian. Um, but yeah, I mean, when we broke up, it, it changed so much about the hour. I mean, obviously I wrote a bunch of new material about breaking off my engagement and not being ready to get married. I, you know, restructured the entire set and moved things up to the front and that wouldn't have been there. And it it brought everything into focus for me in a way that only traumatic events can. Yes, yes. And, and then when I met Sam, it was like, it was crunch time when I met him and Even if I had just been friends with him, it would have helped me so much getting ready to film that I love that because, like, I always say when you feel like a boy is distracting you or a boy is making you – I say boy, but, like, when a boy makes you feel crazy, it's just not right. No one did anything wrong. It's just not right. But the right person does enhance you. Like, so many of us are like, I'm too busy to date. The right person is just a fucking, like, fire that Mm -hmm. makes you stronger. Um, when you're a little more into your comedy, when you're writing your material, how much in the back of your head do you filter, will my parents like this or not? I used to way more. I was super squeaky clean. Well, you were. Up until I was like. Can you explain yeah. you were like a religious or you were on like the religious um, tour? or circuit. <laughs> what a circuit. Yeah. It's on the church cir- circus. Um, yeah. The church circus. <laughs> Yeah, I started when I was 16 because my dad wanted to take a stand-up comedy class at a church uh-huh. from a church comedian. Uh-huh. And so that's how I started doing stand-up. I didn't go to a comedy club for the first time until I was like 18. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is where I need to be doing it. Mm-hmm. But I was doing churches here and there up until I was like 22, which is four years ago. Yep. And then at a certain point, I was like, I don't want to have to be watching everything I say all the time. But even after I stopped performing at churches, it was a very slow 
process of, of accepting myself as not a clean comedian. I don't think of myself as like some raunchy comic. Yeah. But but I didn't watch so it subjective. like what a fucking prude. Like I never right. crossed my mind. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> do you do you it's oh my god, it's fascinating to me because I am like we're similar but opposite in that like my parents watched me on a reality TV show. I literally had oh, yeah. a guy go down on me last week on television. I mean you oh couldn't my see God. it but just like heard me like make sounds and my dad was just laughing so hard he was like you're so fucking out of control and just laughed it off and like walked away and i was like there's something what weird. is that like <laughs> just my parents we have a great sense of humor but also my parents like i was a tennis player so i was an actual prude and at some point my parents were like get a fucking boyfriend and stop playing <laughs> tennis all the time so when i finally got one they were like yay and that's hysterical i always felt like because i'm the oldest my mom would like didn't want me to be a loser and she'd be like this is what a blowjob is it's like you put a penis in your mouth it's like a lollipop she said that to me once she hates what? when i tell that story but like i would have then i knew what it was and it wasn't like the scary gross thing it's like I mean, granted, I did then see every adult for the next five days just envisioning them having a penis in their mouth. But naturally, yeah. we have that different lifestyle. But for me, my parents just want me to be happy because I've been through mm -hmm. other shit with like an intense career of sports. And I think for you, it's like, have you gotten to that point with your parents where they they obviously want you to succeed and be happy, but also you don't want to let them down by like hurting some morals or crossing some lines yeah it's been interesting we've we've sort of found a good dynamic i think mm -hmm. i mean my relationship with my parents like ebbs and flows mm -hmm. i know that they're proud of me mm -hmm. for being successful and they're proud of me for my work ethic which obviously is due to them mm -hmm. credit where credit is due and i think the humor is due to them too also <laughs> like <laughs> totally yeah absolutely but yeah it was it was hard for me when they watched like the comedy lineup i did a 15 minute episode on the comedy lineup on netflix as mm -hmm. well and that was before the special and they watched me on the tonight show the week before and were like so proud and amazed and then a week later that came out on netflix they watched it and didn't talk to me for a little while and i had to call them and be like did you watch it and they're like yeah we hated it we're very disappointed and that Not wasn't the even -word. that bad i hate the d word i know I disappointment's it. the worst so for me it was like once it was like the church thing i was like once i accepted that i just wasn't gonna be what they wanted as much as I would like to be, I would love to be a church comedian. Do you know mm -hmm. how much money I would have mm -hmm. if I was a church comedian? Mm -hmm. Do you know how much I would love to have the approval of my parents and my entire family? Do you know how much I would love to have gotten married at 22 yeah. and built a church? But like you can't do stuff love... for money or other people's approval that doesn't help you sleep at night. It doesn't. And f I'm just not that person. I'm just not. What and... is your relationship with God now? I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what happens. I don't know if there's a God. I would love it if there was. Now I think you're with that's a nice great. Jewish boy from New York City. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're nice the best. Agnostic. A nice Jewish boy from Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I, um, I just, no, I, I love what you're doing so much. I want to get a little bit darker with you. Let's do it. Um, what is your way of sabotaging yourself in life like what's that bad habit you tend to do oh my god in what area of life <laughs> relationships career where do we let's, start with the self-sabotage let's start with career then relationships i mean here's a perfect example my therapist told me 
that I have a tendency to self-sabotage and I stopped seeing her. (laughs) I I just ghosted her. (laughs) Like she called me for like a couple months and I just never got back to her. It's so hard to break up with therapists. Way harder than dudes. (laughs) It's so hard. Um, I think in my career, I will self-sabotage by just telling myself I'm not good enough Mm -hmm. yeah but then that'll drive you so I don't know if it's totally self-sabotage I mean I'll be so nervous to turn people off or or bother people that I will not hang out or talk to people and then people think I'm standoffish when I'm really just afraid um in relationships I self-sabotage like crazy (laughs) uh I, I just I will obsess over things. I won't let things go. I will, when things get really good in a relationship, I will look for things that are wrong with it because I don't want to be, I don't want to be like bamboozled or something. Mm. Like I don't want to be surprised if it's going to not work out. That's fine. But I don't want the rug pulled out from under me. Yeah. You don't want to be like, I don't want to look back at this and be like, what an idiot. How did you not see that? exactly yeah. which we could all do when well yeah that's what out. relationships are it's called rose-colored glasses until six months and then you're like oh what's your name who are you now that i'm done just like humping your leg right exactly <laughs> i also yeah nikki glazer once gave me advice that um because she said that she copes with um she has struggled with imposter syndrome sometimes and she said something that was i think so 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 on point she was talking to therapist therapist about it and said don't give yourself so much credit that you think you're so smart that you've outsmarted everyone into thinking you're funny oh that's such good advice and i was like that's (laughs) so good like use your it's it's true like you can't convince everyone who watches netflix that you're funny (laughs) that's so true you didn't like do one smooth swipe up that made hundreds of thousand people trick them into thinking you're funny (laughs) oh my god but i do think that that question of am i good am i good is what lights the fire for you to improve what is your biggest physical insecurity oh my gosh i can only pick one you can pick pick top three (sighs) probably honestly probably my face i've i've have always hated that I have a really round face Mm -hmm. because I feel like it makes me look young and like also makes me look bigger than I am Mm. in certain ways Mm -hmm. so I think that and I used to get like teased for it when I was younger I used to be heavier when I was younger and I think just like having like a full face is probably also being in this industry you get your makeup done professionally a lot Mm -hmm. and makeup artists pull no punches you'll be like oh i'm sorry that i have these dark circles under my eyes and they're like yeah there's really nothing you can do about that it's (laughs) genetic or you'll be like i have a big forehead so i can't do this usually and they won't be like no you don't they're like yeah we're gonna tone that down with some powder (laughs) i like i've had my makeup done by people where i go i know i just i have like i just have like a very round face and they're like yeah don't worry i already i'm handling it like (laughs) kind of stuff but these makeup artists it's hard when i first got into the industry i don't wear a lot of makeup so my biggest fear was to like be changed and like have a lot of makeup on be put out there so my biggest fight was with a friend because i thought i had too much eyeshadow on 
and she was like, mm-hmm. no, the eyeshadow is fine. And I was like, no, like I really feel too insecure with this eyeshadow. And I started crying because <laughs> I was like, I was the first time I was like doing a carpet or like getting photos taken of me. And I just didn't want to feel not like myself. And yes. it, it seems like just a little layer of makeup, but I just felt like I was not, I was being changed. I, I was like, I'm yes. going to be like Britney Spears. And they're like, calm down. You're on one reality show for a, a second. <laughs> calm the fuck down. <laughs> But we've lived our whole lives a certain way. And then suddenly when more people are going to see you, people start changing your face. And I really didn't like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't like it either. And I I don't look like a drag queen when people put too much makeup on me. Because my face looks so young, I look like a toddler in a tiara. Like, (laughs) I, I look like someone put a flipper in. Like, I just... I look like a little kid whose mom wanted to be prettier than she is and is living through them. It's not good. Do you feel it's not like good. when you get on stage because you look young? I mean, you are young. You're 26. But do you feel like because yeah. you look young and you're a woman, you have to, like, prove yourself more? Yeah, absolutely. And because I started at 16, I mean, I had to make people feel comfortable when they weren't. Like, w- even when I was, like, 18, 19, I had to learn how to carry myself in a way yeah. that made everyone stop going, ooh, is this going to be bad? Yeah. How long could you have been doing this? Like, I don't know. So, like, even just simple things like taking it out of the mic stand and moving it confidently were really important for me early on. So when people go like, oh, my gosh, your stage presence is, you know, so much more advanced than someone would expect for your age. I'm like, yeah, because I had to. You had I, to. What were you talking about when you were 16? how I didn't go to prom like (laughs) I was making jokes about being chubby and like not going to prom I mean it was a lot of them were sad like when I watch old videos of me doing stand-up which I barely ever do but whenever I've watched like clips that I've now made private on YouTube or whatever of Mm -hmm. me in a church talking about how ugly I am (laughs) I'm like this is so sad it's really really sad and at a certain point maybe like I don't know it was probably like five years ago. Um, at a certain point, I, I went on the road a lot and I was doing all these clubs and I was doing jokes about my looks and not even like super bad, like I'm so ugly jokes, more so just like, I look very average. I'm mm-hmm. not that hot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Girls would come up to me after shows and make kind of like joking remarks like, oh my God, if you're not hot, then what am I? Like things like that. And I go, oh my gosh, am I making other people feel bad with my Mm. self-deprecating jokes? And I've certainly felt that way when other people do bits about not being that hot and I go you're so much hotter than me (laughs) what what am I then you know like which hotness is subjective and everything but like like you mentioned Nikki Glaser I did her show the other day Mm -hmm. for Sirius and I told her I was like I saw you do a set at the cellar over the summer where you were talking about how you're not hot and I was like you know you're hot right (laughs) like I remember I I texted Sam and was like can someone tell Nikki she's objectively (laughs) hot like objectively oh my god I because because lo- i'm the same way with her we get we get into fights because i literally should be like talking about how she's single or whatever and i'm like you deserve the fucking best and these men are not ready for you and she's like hannah just a, like it's how i feel but like let me do my bit like let me do my bit. 
and I'll like hold her hold her shoulders and I'll be like you are such a strong woman and she's like shut up it's 10 a.m in the morning calm it down back when we were allowed to hold each other's shoulders remember that oh Oh, throwback we'll never shake hands again but that was also pretty awkward um but I think for you to even do stand-up at 16 you had to have a self-awareness and now I've like now that I'm getting to know you even more I've decided you're just like a weird genius freak and you and Sam are like weird comedic genius joke people who like comprehend each other in a special way that's my synopsis of you two (laughs) that is so nice I think we're such we're such different comedians Mm -hmm. is the thing like you're both really great tight joke writers thank you I hope so I mean yeah like I, I I made this distinction we were talking about this the other night he's like you don't really think that I'm better than you and I was like no I do I was like I don't think you're funnier than me I think we're both really funny mm-hmm. but you have just been doing it longer you work extremely hard like you are a better comedian than I am I think that's a great I'm distinction that you made yes because I've been with comics who get so weird about the funny thing like they'll make a little side remarks like yeah but you know you're not funnier than me and I'm like "Mm, okay I mean that's a little subjective like I think you've done comedy longer but um you wouldn't be with me if you didn't think I was funny we didn't have a and also funny is like a chemistry of a sense of humor with two people so I kind of right he's he's I like that he's made that difference where it's like he has more experience in his job but I also think um it is again you're in showbiz so like anything Mm -hmm. happens at any time and when people get people pop at different times and it just sounds like you found someone who understands you and is helping you grow and vice versa so I'm very happy for you and I enjoy watching you I enjoy watching the content on my end um selfishly oh good yeah we we would have never been this public if it weren't for this pandemic I was about to say was it like was it a big do you feel weird going public with your relationship like you've never had to do that before no I mean I was I was pretty public with my Uh ex-fiance because I thought I was gonna marry him Uh so I was like why would we not so I had a lot of you know videos of him in my stories and pictures of him on my Instagram which I of course deleted but (laughs) I had a lot and now I feel bad about it because you know I do jokes about being engaged and stuff and I I think you can figure out who he is even if you didn't know before um but yeah with with Sam I definitely didn't want to be like posting all about it I don't think he's that type either it it wasn't like a thing where we didn't want people to know we were dating laugh you guys don't care I feel like like if it's if it's funny content you're like this is this should be posted (laughs) exactly I mean we both posted photos to promote each other's specials Mm -hmm. and they were both funny photos like Like I posted one one. yeah exactly like I posted (laughs) I posted one to promote his that was us in an arcade with like prizes, which could have just been us as friends. Uh-huh. So it wasn't even clear. His was like a photo set of me sleeping. That was, was when it hit me. That's when I literally texted like four people who know him. And I was like, oh my God, do you know, I like started the rumors on the New York coast. So I apologize <laughs> for that. But <laughs> I was like, well, oh my God, were- couple alert. <laughs> comedian couples are a big fucking deal. <laughs> we're like, there's hope. They are. There's hope for us. <laughs> oh my god rosebud and andy are engaged oh my gosh but there's a thing it's hard once you're dating comics and they're so funny and witty and they get you to then date like a normal dude but that's where there's a difference between funny and a comedian and ideally i'd like to just date a funny person um but if they happen to be a comedian who is very compatible with me and has done work on themselves and I do work on myself. Now this is just becoming about my own issues. I want to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you dating ra- right now? What's your situation? I'm currently 
in a kind of complicated relationship because I was seeing a guy on this TV show that's airing now and oh. everyone is very invested in it. But like it's seven months later where things are like a little different and I like can't really talk about it. And then oh. it's a whole fucking thing. But um, yeah, that's so complicated. Yeah. Like imagine if you meet a guy like we film in the summer, if you meet a guy in like April and then if he mm-hmm. likes you, you have to be like, well, I my sh- my life is filmed for three months every year. So do you yeah. want to be on national TV? <laughs> That's so massive. I mean, the only way I can relate to that is like when my ex-fiance and I were like going to couples therapy because we went to couples therapy for like two months mm-hmm. after when we were deciding if we were going to stay together and like be unengaged for the time being. I was like, I kind of need to figure this out because I have to film a special in November and (laughs) I cannot film a special where I say I'm with somebody and do jokes about you and then five months later it comes out and we're not together anymore. I just can't do it. So luckily we figured it out that we were breaking up before then, but even if we hadn't, I might have just... I might have just taken all the jokes out about him anyway. Like I have zero jokes about him in that special. I have jokes about the the engagement breaking off, but yeah, man, I can't imagine having something come out where I was in a relationship after it's like in a different place. Not that to say that yours has ended. Yeah. I don't know your situation. But mine also but- like we were. S- we're like fighting about the same things that happened over the summer where he's like, oh. yeah, but you know, I wasn't in the wrong. And I'm like, I mean, clearly you're in the wrong. And then he's like, <laughs> and then all of Twitter has opinions on us. So like, I'm getting oh. messages like you're too good for him or like, he's too good for you. Or like he was using you for a storyline or you were using him. Oh, it's but that's why it's nice that like you guys are public with your relationship, but at least people you're deciding what's seen which is nice right yeah we're controlling it for sure i can't imagine giving that power (laughs) to reality show producers and be like yeah no we like each other edit it however you want (laughs) also does sam have any rules or do you have any rules about jokes about each other like any limits yeah we have to run jokes about each other past each other first that's respectful and i think i think that's respectful in any relationship not just comedians and comedians but especially if you're public with somebody you don't want to be putting stuff out there yeah even like you know those like couple stories that you guys tell your friends about it's like there's limits to that like there's some you keep between yourself you don't need to tell my like diarrhea episode in mexico you know i'll say it on my own podcast um right are you writing right now like am i writing Mm stand-up right now Mm -hmm. i mean here and there i feel like it's more like tweets yeah than stand-up which tend to be more like premises or lines yes i have sat down to write a couple times for the most part not really because every day has been like how do i come up with how do i write like a sketch for sam and i to do how do we write a sketch together how do we you know write jokes to say on the podcast like how do we you know come up with video ideas like it's been the writing has been so different. Like I've been writing, you know, show pitches and sending those out. Like that's been the type of writing I've been doing more so than stand up because it's it's so painful to write jokes that you can't say on stage. That you can't try out and see how they work. I mean, I've written down so many ideas in my phone that I would have been able to try on stage that night or the next night normally and see if there was anything there and I can't so I'm kind of just keeping everything in a folder and once we have a date 
hopefully that we can at least perform for like 20 people all spread out wearing masks yeah i i will have some stuff to go about but like it was really frustrating for us because obviously sam put out his special in february i put out my special in march i mean i did one road weekend before everything shut down and it was great obviously sam did like two Mm -hmm. And we put out these specials to sell tickets on the road. That's why we put them out. We didn't put out specials and go like, I'm done. And we had been working really hard on brand new hours since November and December. And we both had hours that we really liked and we were excited to do and hone and craft. And so to then have everything shut down and now we can't even remember a lot of our jokes. (laughs) Like it's nuts. Like when we are finally allowed to be comedians again, it's it's gonna be weird we're gonna have to watch videos of ourselves or listen to audio recordings to remember what we did Yeah, at first i was like i should practice just once a night just do this i haven't done that i haven't no. done it. <laughs> has it been weird for you since you've been doing this forever because stand up i mean at, in new york city they're trying to do like 15 sets a week but yeah how has life been not doing stand up at night it's been weird it's been really weird it i feel like I'm getting used to it. I mean, we have watched a couple things on Netflix. Like we watched, I think it was Goodfellas and Jackie Brown. And for whatever reason, uh, Netflix suggested my special next, like once it ended, once the credits finished. And both times I had to turn off the TV because I was so, it made me so sad to see myself doing like like what you were doing. Yeah, just a still of me doing stand-up because, like, I can barely remember what it feels like now. Because I've, I've never gone this long without yeah. doing stand-up since I started. The you don't know what gone, you missed. You're like, I know I love it. But it yeah, also is pain in the ass driving around late at night all the time. But <laughs> Yes. You know, like, you know that feeling when you break up with someone and it hurts so much that you can't remember what their voice sounds like? That's how I feel about stand-up right now. And yeah. then once you once you start to feel better, once you start to heal, then you go, oh, this is what they sounded like. Or like, yeah, you know, maybe you break up with someone and you can't see a picture of you two together without crying or you can't watch a video without breaking down. And then at a certain point, you can watch a video and go, oh, that was me a year ago. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I hope I get there with stand up. But it's right just like now, too weird right now because I don't think we're still kind of in shock almost of the situation we're absolutely in shock but for comics yeah. like you i think it's great creatively to put your brain in different places like pitching stuff and writing short sketches i think it's just going to help your stand up um yeah. i could talk to you forever but we're going to wrap it up with a final game um it's time Let's to play it. the seven deadly sins seven deadly sins um what are you greedy about right now toilet paper um (laughs) topical how many bathrooms do you guys have two okay good thank god so we're all right that's why i'm like why would we quarantine in new york are you kidding me (laughs) i have doors um i'm greedy about like time with people i care about Mm. i feel greedy about that like if i'm in a relationship and i i'm usually only home for like two days a week and the rest of the time i'm on the road two or three days I will get really greedy with quality time on those days, which has been hard in relationships with people who aren't comedians because they're like, I have a life too. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm home for a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So when I'm home, you should clear your schedule because this is our opportunity. That's my love Um, language too. Quality time. Yes. I want quality time and physical touch. Yeah. Yes. Who are you envious of? 
oh my god everybody i'm envious of you are you kidding me like i am i seriously am i think you're so cool and confident and like you just seem very like you seem so comfortable with yourself which granted if i were hot and talented like you i probably (laughs) would feel that way as well but i'm envious of a lot of people i'm envious of people who just generally i'm envious of people who can sing really well like if i could sing i would not do stand-up you know when be cool like being a jazz singer like amy winehouse like oh my god just be like slinking around the stage and do like three songs and then leave i'm so jealous of musicians i know that's such a basic answer because all comedians want to be rock stars and musicians is that why i love documentaries of like how musicians came up like i love it it's so fucking cool i i recently you know what you guys should watch have you watched the Lil Peep documentary on Netflix? No. You guys would, I think, like it. I just thought he was some, like, crazy kid, but he was actually this really talented singer who got addicted to some stuff, and there was some shit going down. But, yeah, the Lil Peep documentary on Netflix you'd like. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Hot tip. Hot tip. Um, do you, <laughs> side note, do you deal with depression and anxiety? 100% absolutely. When was the last time you yeah. had your, like, a dark depression? uh like two nights ago maybe same, three same. maybe three nights ago <laughs> i mean this is a very special time in history uh for depression and anxiety i think were you the one? Oh yeah you had a really funny tweet i just read that was like how are people bored when there's so much to be depressed about yeah honestly i'm like there's so much to be afraid of what, there's not enough time in the day someone <laughs> recently was like i feel so bad for people in quarantine who don't have add like are you guys okay because <laughs> i'm entertained <laughs> that's hilarious that's so funny yeah i i have major depression and anxiety and i didn't i had trouble finding medication that worked for me uh-huh. over the last few years mm-hmm. and once i called off my engagement i mean part of the reason i didn't handle it well is because i was mentally ill yeah so you know when you're like having panic attacks and depressive yep. episodes and like your calling body suicide will hotlines. tell you when you're not on the right track like, yes or in a bad situation like my breakup i lost my appetite i couldn't eat and like i wasn't like yes mm-hmm. i look so good i was like you look malnourished you're not healthy and my heart wouldn't stop beating like yes. constant intense beating and then i broke up with him and it was fine whoa that's crazy it's so true i felt like yeah, I felt like I someone did go was on, sitting on, on my anti, chest. I went on SSRIs too. <laughs> that helped. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. See, there's that. What are you on? I'm on Paxil. It's like okay. 20 milligrams. It's just like quiets my brain a little because I mm-hmm. just it helps me just see clearly and not just spiral into like insane things. that I, I'm just like a perfectionist and kind of like I overthink shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have those issues too. I had trouble getting on antidepressants i think technically i'm on a mood stabilizer Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. which i think it's i think i got on it specifically because i was reacting poorly to antidepressants i mean i tried lexapro when i was sleeping like 16 hours a day Mm -hmm. i just like couldn't stay awake and then i tried um prozac and i had like really bad chest pain it was weird Mm. like just weird side effects yeah everyone's different yeah you don't know so now i'm on lamictal Mm-hmm. And I take that at night and it helps it, you know, and it's hard because those things don't help right away. No. So you have to like take other stuff as needed until that helps. To so get like that cocktail. So uh, was, was sleeping at night hard for you? 
Yeah. Oh, my, I mean, it's still hard. I have like night terrors unless I take um, an edible, unless I have weed in my system at night, which is probably not good. But like last night, because I have uh, I have um, Seroquel for insomnia mm-hmm. as well. And that's so strong. That'll knock me out like crazy. And I took I took half of one last night and I had the craziest dreams because I didn't take weed with it. Um, but yeah, I have all kinds of stuff. And, and also obviously like I have Klonopin and traveling and like sleeping in different hotel rooms and stuff and like having a high from your performance and having to like knock yourself out to like go to sleep, to wake up, to travel. Wild. But you're so on that hard. grind. You're on that grind and I'm proud of you. You're figuring Thank your shit you. out. Um, back to us. What are you gluttonous <laughs> about? I mean, obviously TV shows. I'll, if I get into a TV show, I'll watch all of it, especially if I started on the road. I mean, I will burn through it so hard. Um, Sam and I started watching Bosch on Amazon, oh. and we went through two seasons in like two and a half days. Oh, I which love is... when two people are mutually excited about crushing a show. Like when it's like 4 a.m. and it pops up again, you're just like... She would be naughty, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> That's what oh my a relationship's God, it's so about. <laughs> um, it really is. When was the last time you experienced extreme wrath? Like someone else's wrath or my own? Like you were angry. You snapped at someone. Ooh. I got mad at Sam for something. He like said something that I interpreted as condescending, and it became like a much bigger thing than it needed to be because I was just so furious and like you know your own insecurities will be triggered by mm-hmm. certain things where you just and i they wouldn't might call not it wrath know. they might not right. know your history with something and then yeah you're like, you should have fucking figured it out <laughs> right exactly exactly i mean i don't really experience i'll be honest i haven't felt super wrathful is that a word? Yeah. Wrathful. I knew sure, what you meant. <laughs> I mean, I think I think at my core, I'm an angry person. <laughs> I do. I, I thought think you I were am. gonna say I'm just not an angry person. No, no, no. I'm at my core. I'm angry. Sometimes <laughs> the angriest people come off the least angriest because they're trying so hard to not snap at everyone all the time. Yeah. Yeah, people always tell me they're like, "You seem like so sweet and so like innocent and good and like a good person." And I'm like, "No, I just have a round face. Like I'm really, I'm I'm pretty petty and upset." The pros um, of having a, a round face, but then like you'll snap really over is. something stupid because people don't know that you've been hold. I had a boyfriend like that who was like always angry, but in front of everyone he'd be fine. And then we'd like get home and sushi would be closed, and he needed to have sushi, and he'd like slam the table, and I'd be like, "Okay, Oof. let's." let's figure our shit out yeah Um, the only time i really i experience wrath or unleash wrath on people is honestly when people lie to me because i'm like i'm like this may i i don't i cannot wrap my head around lying it's such a waste of time to me and it doesn't do anyone any good no and it like you said it wrecks the trust and so that that's the time and those are the times i don't feel bad like writing mean jokes about like an ex or something i'm like well you lied to me so i get to do this now which is probably not healthy i get in trouble all the time because i'm too honest and i just i Mm. can't live through like a constant filter so it's like occasionally i'll piss someone off but it's like i'm not lying about you yes (laughs) i don't i'm not gonna do that i can never that's how i feel oh my gosh 
and people get so mad because you're like speaking a truth that like they don't want to face but as i've gotten this is the thing i didn't come out of the womb with three hundred thousand followers this is a new thing to me and i forget that people are listening to me (laughs) and someone's like how could you say that and hundreds of thousands of people heard it and i was like what right (laughs) right you're like those are my friends don't talk about my friends like that (gasps) you told your friends some stuff they're like i have four friends you're like, well, I'm sorry, I'm more popular than you. <laughs> I've had to be careful. I have to be careful, more careful. But I realize when I don't tell someone how I feel, I'll keep it in and then passive aggressively do a dig on a podcast. Yeah. That will get me in trouble. And but so I'm trying to face people on instead of just being nice to be nice. Say when I'm upset more often. Right. Yes, I've definitely done that too. That <laughs> was not cool. <sighs> Oh, but this is like what we have to deal with putting our our big mouths out there when was the last time you were like a complete sloth like a lazy piece of shit we started taking sundays off so that's been really nice um we we got some stuff done on sunday mm-hmm. this week but like the sunday before i woke up and was like we're not doing jack shit today because we are still really busy yeah like, you guys still- are like waking up what time do you guys wake up I mean, we let ourselves wake up whenever. So, you know, it depends. But like I've done I've done like three or four mornings of just radio where I wake up at like 530 in the morning and I'm on the phone with a different radio station every 15 minutes until like 10 a.m. Wow. And so we have that. We have days where we wake up and like I have like he has like four Zoom meetings and I have like three podcasts to do. And like in some ways sam said that he's like it's like we're busier than we've ever been yeah because every day you wake up in a panic like how do i stay relevant how do i keep busy how do i make things happen in case the thing i've always depended on doesn't come back because like we're all unemployed right now it's Mm -hmm. a nightmare Mm -hmm. so but but we were going so hard that at a certain point i was like we really need to give ourselves a day off a week but it's also just so we don't go crazy i feel like when we're doing stand-up sometimes you're like i'm too overwhelmed i don't have time to write that script or work on that podcast yes or 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 when people ask you to be on podcast you're like i can't and now we're able to stop and like put energy into other things but yeah we're all fired um yeah (laughs) (laughs) when was the last time you let your pride get in the way of something oh my god like do you have an ego this morning (laughs) oh my god yeah I definitely it's funny because I have I have an ego but I also have the imposter syndrome stuff so (laughs) I have an ego about certain things I just don't want to be embarrassed I hate feeling embarrassed which is why I need total honesty because it it doesn't even hurt me that someone lied to me it just embarrasses me that they thought I was so stupid Mm -hmm. that they could pull one over on me I'm like I'm just embarrassed that you thought you could lie and that it worked um (laughs) I'm embarrassed you showed my true stupidness. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Um, but it also, it's more, no, it's not that you're stupid. It's that you were being trustworthy of them. Yeah. That you were being vulnerable to someone. Yes. That took advantage. I saw, I saw somebody post something about noticing who, like being so bored in quarantine that they notice who's unfollowed them and stuff. <laughs> that's like the dumbest thing that I've gotten upset about. <laughs> where I... I will like notice somebody I follow doesn't follow me back or usually that's what it is. And I go, I don't even like you. I just <laughs> followed you because I met you. I what followed you because like, I thought you were following me or you wanted to right, follow me. Exactly. Which is so stupid. And that's a real ego thing. Um, 
which is like it's also easy to have that in a relationship with somebody who's in the same field as you where like yeah. if they do something you want to do first you're kind of like oh like yeah. there's there's that ego which is all again ego is so stupid and yep. pointless i mean my friend hannah einbinder and i were just talking she's a comic we were just talking about this the other day and then she sent me a, a picture uh, like a half hour later of somebody's dirty car window that someone had wrote ego is worthless in the dirt <laughs> and she's like oh my god it's a sign and i was like oh you're so right there's a, a train in the city where it has like the e train the g train and someone put an o and it says the ego is not your amigo so that's <laughs> what i tell myself <laughs> that's so good um, and it rhymes yeah it's cute oh, that's a cute little pot um she's sipping on a pot you guys very la oh yeah when was the last time you lusted over someone so we know that you lust over sam but who's your like celebrity crush Ooh, you've obviously asked too many people this and they were like my partner and yeah they're like, so oh, they're like you're so trying boring. to get me in trouble i'm like i literally just don't care about you saying you have the hots for your partner we know that yeah we know that we get it we get um it. who's my celebrity crush i don't know you're like jesus <laughs> I know the Lord. Maybe you've heard I was of like, him. Jesus is so hot. Um, I'm like, have you seen? I know Jesus is hot, but have you seen his dad, God? Oh. I saw the funniest. Okay, so this is a little. This is sort of on topic. I I didn't lust after this person, but it's similar. But like, I don't go on TikTok. I've been on it for like half an hour twice in the last week because it's wild to me. And there is some guy. His name's Carl something. Mm-hmm. I only remember that because he's so hot and his name's Carl. And I'm like, what? And he and like his, I don't know if it's his twin brother or just his other hot brother posted a video on TikTok with a, with like a bag over their dad's head in between them and said, and it says, we know a lot of people have been asking us who our dad is. (laughs) I'm laughing because I've seen this and the dad was fucking hot. (laughs) Dude, we're the it's a tweet but like we're at this weird age where we think the sons are hot and the dads are hot <laughs> yeah it's confusing it's very confusing but yeah tiktok is just like getting weird feelings that you shouldn't have for 16 year olds and i've just accepted oh my god it. your videos are so funny about the video where you i'm me so trying horny not right to- now i'm alone and horny and i have this group called giggly squad i'm doing this live every night and i now post all the pictures i feel inappropriate watching i post the videos on that page so i make all of them look at it because i'm not about to be alone (laughs) being a creep i'm like i'm not the only fucking 28 year old these kids you can't it's dangerous dangerous. it's not okay i'm like where are your parents you you i will you are too innocent for that shit i will not let you look at that yes it's not okay (laughs) i uh, i wish i had a better example i will say watching bosh Mm-hmm. we have been like looking people up because everybody's older but they look great for their age mm-hmm. and so we've been like guessing how old everyone is also detective bosch the the people he's like the first like woman he fucked was like the youngest person on the show and i was so angry because there were all these Typical. hot older women on it Typical. they're like oh my god it's so annoying but then like the next woman he fucked i was like how old is she and she was like 45 she just looks amazing her name's like i think her name's like paula something uh-huh. i i would have to look her up she she's in season three of bosh and she's so hot so maybe maybe her the best things the- to do 
when you're bored mm-hmm. is Google celebrity heights, celebrity ages, and celebrity plastic yes. surgery before and after. That's what I've been in. <laughs> it is wild. The shit you guys have going on in LA, wild. It is. It's a lot. I mean, that's the funnest thing to do is sit with your boyfriend and watch something and be like, have him say like, she looks good for her age. And I go, she's had so much work done. And they're like, really? And you're like, yeah. Do you see how her forehead doesn't move? And then you see another hot older female actress and you go, now she's really hot for being older. And she has had maybe minimal work done, but you can't tell. You see how her forehead moves? Like, Men also think that if you don't wear lipstick, you're wearing no makeup. Oh, I know. It's... (laughs) It's hilarious when guys are like, I think you look great without makeup. And you're like, you've, you've never, never seen it. <laughs> oh my I, gosh. I have always had mascara on. <laughs> so finally, oh my God. Finally, last final question. What I asked to everyone is what advice would you give to people on how to cope with their hell? Like, how do you cope with your hell when you're going through it? Ooh, it varies. I have a checklist that I will go through if I'm feeling super depressed or anxious. So first off, I will exercise, which usually at least works in the moment. If sometimes you exercise and you feel a little better in the moment. What's your go-to exercise? Cardio is what makes me feel better. But if I can do weights, that helps too. Like I have to, I have to like be sweating. Although I have started doing some, a little bit of yoga, which I don't normally gravitate towards but i live on a higher floor than the ground floor and Mm. i got some like noise complaints from my neighbor who doesn't realize that she lives in an apartment building (laughs) and so i'm afraid to like you know be doing a bunch of hard cardio you're like i just punch pillows now right exactly recommendation um search y7 yoga do you know y7 no hip-hop yoga which i was addicted to for a while but it's a great combination of like flows and you do some fast you do some slow and then like abs in between and you then they let you flow on your own so you have to actually like remember the flow it's not just you spacing out being like it for someone with add and anxiety it was actually helpful and cool why seven oh that's interesting okay yeah. i love that and then sometimes sometimes all you need is like a walk i'll so i'll try exercise um fresh air so if you can like run or walk outside, that'll knock out too. If you're oh, yeah. low on time, um, calling somebody who I love and trust and cares about me, um, like a friend or my sister or something like that. Um, drinking a lot of water. Mm-hmm. I found out sometimes you think you're anxious and you're just dehydrated, <laughs> which hungry. is wild. Yeah. yeah, or hungry. We're just plants. Um, we're just plants. We're just plants. We're just we really plants are just plants. Who overthink things. <laughs> yeah and then if none of that works i take a clonopin um and pull the covers over my head (laughs) and then call it a day put yourself to bed (laughs) something else something else i've done this is helpful if you do journal if you don't journal start just for this i go back and i will read times that i was really upset and going through it and read back through those times and go like, okay, well, I got through that, which means I'm going to get through this, or I felt this way before and everything turned out fine. That really helps me when I'm going through it. I like that one a lot. Um, TT, where can people follow you? Where can people consume your content? Give us the lowdown. You can watch Quarter Life Crisis on Netflix right now. 
which is my first comedy special in case you just skipped to the very end of this podcast (laughs) without listening to it (laughs) and then i'm at taylor tomlinson on twitter and instagram amazing amazing follow you guys should listen to it um watch it tag screenshot tag her tell you what you think send her messages rate scribe review also listen to taylor has like a bunch of podcasts right now she has self help oh yeah and you're one with sam yeah so i have self helpless which is where kelsey delaney and i um basically just review different types of self-help and self-care it's the way i describe it to people is like going to brunch with two of your friends who read a self-help book that you were kind of interested in but didn't want to actually sit down and read the book and then they just recap it for you in a very real funny way and then sam and i have started a podcast we're like 10 episodes in now called this is important to me where we do that thing that couples do where we show each other movies that the other person hasn't seen that are really important to us like you know when you get in a new relationship and you have to like sit your boyfriend down and go i know you don't care about 13 going on 30 but it's the reason i am who i am you're like you can't see all of me unless you've seen this movie that's exactly (laughs) what it is you haven't seen all of me unless you've seen this movie like you have to see little women to know what is going on i was a little woman once (laughs) i was (laughs) so that's what we're doing like he showed me he showed me goodfellas and i showed him like you know harry potter which he'd never seen and i'm like well then you don't know who i am (laughs) and um it's really fun um and if you guys want you can google self-helpless hannah burner to watch my listen my episode watch listen who knows back in the yes, day yes you were so good oh thank you and you were so you good killed on burning in hell everyone thanks for coming to hell and i'll talk to you later bye <laughs>